Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, welcome back, Giants fans, to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, the podcast that is home to all things Giants baseball. Folks, before we dive into today's show, I would like to take a moment to let you know that you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, then don't be afraid to subscribe. And if you really like the show, then make sure to leave a review, but most importantly, make sure to spread the word. With that being said, let's dive right in. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to the sixth episode now of the Say Hey Podcast. I'm your host today, James Donahue, as I am for every show, and I'm recording today a very happy man because the Giants have a six-game win streak. That's right, six. Well, James, how is that even possible? They just got over a five-game losing streak. Well, I'm glad you're here. If you stick around, I'll tell you just how they did it. But first, something that I think is very important to address before we talk about what's been going on the past week, I'm going to be getting a little sentimental on you guys in order to pay tribute to the great Hunter Pence. Now, for those of you that don't know, the Giants recently released Hunter Pence. He's no longer on the team, and it is definitely something that's tough to swallow. Well, you might say, James, we already let him go before. Yeah, but the reason why I think this is different, or the reason why it feels different at least, is because I honestly think this might be his last run at baseball in general. I wouldn't be surprised if he soon retires because although we all love Hunter Pence, he unfortunately wasn't having the best 2020 season. Not to mention he is 37 years old, so investing in a player this late in his career may not be the most beneficial move for a lot of teams. Not to mention I would absolutely love to see Hunter Pence retire with the Giants being the last team he officially played for. And I think I speak for all the listeners and not only the listeners, but the Giants fans, Giants Nation in general. We would all absolutely love and appreciate that. Anyways, before I get into, like I said, this past week, I want to give a little tribute to Hunter Pence. Because if there's any player that deserves an official thank you, a ceremonial goodbye, it is Pence because of everything he's done for us over the past eight years of his career. So if you're not interested in this, if it's too emotional for you, I absolutely understand. Go ahead and fast forward to four minutes where I start talking about what's been going on recently. All right, here we go. This is something I wrote myself. Goodbye, Hunter Pence. It's so hard to see you go because when you stepped out on the field, we as fans always knew we could trust you to give it your all. In 2012, I was so excited to hear the news that we acquired you in a trade from the Phillies for Nate Sheerholtz and two other prospects. At the time, you had already hit 17 home runs and 59 RBIs at the trade deadline, and you were the perfect piece we needed in order to make another postseason run, especially after the Dodgers had just acquired Hanley Ramirez and Shane Victorino. I'll never forget the tweet you sent out after being traded to San Francisco. It reads, Thank you, Philadelphia, for all your support and passion. Excited to see what awaits me in San Francisco. Although you were optimistic about your new exciting opportunity, I doubt you knew what was in store for you in San Francisco, and neither did we. You would go on to help us win two World Series championships and make an appearance in the All-Star Game while doing it, which also happened to be your third of your career. Along with your unique fundamentals to the game, your unique personality will also be missed in the Giants clubhouse. You truly are one of a kind, Hunter Pence, and I want to thank you for everything you've done for me 
as a fan and everything you've done for all Giants fans over the past eight years, and I wish you the very best. Something that I think has been really cool to witness is, although Hunter Pence is leaving the Giants, he's not leaving right field in shambles. Luckily, our best player on the team, Mike Yastrzemski, Mike Yastrzemski, there we go, is going to be playing right field for us. I think it's definitely ceremonial and really cool for Pence to kind of hand off the mantle. I also think it's kind of cool that the same week Pence gets dropped from the team also happens to be the same week Joey Bart is called up. Kind of just signifying that although we acknowledge that we have a very, very successful past, obviously our dynasty, the three World Series wins, I think we also need to realize that we aren't that team anymore. But that doesn't mean we have to lose hope. We do have a promising future ahead with our prospects such as Joey Bart. And we're not going to be one of the bottom tier teams forever. It's just right now. We're in a transition right now. Yes, there will be times where it's tough to watch Giants baseball, but there's also going to be plenty of times where it's really, really fun to watch the Giants. Like right now. Smooth transition, James. Here, let me get my notes together. Because there is a lot of things, a lot of positive things that we need to talk about that's been happening over these past six games. I would like to start off with the pitching because hitting has also been a huge highlight, but that's something that's been a highlight all year. So let's go ahead and highlight something that has not been as consistent. Let's start with our starting pitchers. Over the past six games, our starting pitchers have pitched 36.1 innings and have accumulated a 2.49 ERA with 40 strikeouts. The most exciting thing about this production is that every single one of our starting pitchers have been key contributors. Over his last two starts, Trevor Cahill has pitched nine innings, has a combined 1.98 ERA during that time, and has only given up five hits with 12 strikeouts. He was able to have a dominant game against the Angels and was also able to do the same against the Diamondbacks. The only negative thing I have to say surrounding Trevor Cahill doesn't necessarily have to deal with Trevor Cahill. And I promise this is the only bad thing I say about Gabe Kapler. I know you guys are probably tired of me saying nothing but bad things about our head coach. But I think it's just really, really frustrating that he continues to keep Cahill on a pitch count. And I understand that he's coming back from injury. But he's a veteran at this point in his career, and he knows his body better than anyone. Luckily, during Trevor Cahill's outing against the Diamondbacks, I think he only had around 65 pitches. And Gabe Kapler decided to take him out. Our relief pitching was able to hold off the win, and it wasn't a repeat of the Oakland A's series. I still just don't really understand when Trevor Cahill is dealing, showing no signs of struggle against his opponent. I don't understand why we don't use him as much as we need to, or as much as we can. But, again, I'm not a head coach. I'm just a guy that likes to talk about baseball, and Giants baseball specifically. All right, moving on to Johnny Cueto. His outing against the Angels, he pitched 5.2 innings pitched, only gave up four hits, only gave up two earned runs, one walk, and had eight strikeouts over that time span. This marks this outing marks the fourth consecutive game, not surrendering a run until at least the sixth inning for Johnny Cueto. He's absolutely dealing. I know I've talked about it in past episodes, but someone that also is dealing for us, who I've also talked about, is Kevin Gosman. His outing against the Angels consisted of 5.1 innings pitched. He gave up nine hits, four earned runs, one walk, and eight strikeouts. At this point in the season, Kevin Gosman ranks 10th in the in the majors in strikeouts and now has more than strikeouts, that is, and now has more strikeouts than Trevor Bauer, Aaron Nola, and Jacob deGrom. Not to mention during his outing against the Angels, the Halos did score one run in the first, but they didn't score again until the fifth inning. All right, another pitcher, starting pitcher that is, 
who dominated was Logan Webb. Against the Diamondbacks, he pitched seven innings, only gave up five hits, only two earned runs, zero walks, and also had eight strikeouts. The D-backs only scored two runs in the fourth inning, but besides that, there was zero action. Logan Webb has now only given up more than two earned runs once out of his six starts on the season. And the one time he gave up more than two, it was three runs. So Logan Webb has definitely been the most consistent pitcher for us. And something that's been also kind of interesting about Logan Webb, and I'll talk about this later when I break down the Dodgers series, is that it definitely looks and seems like he's feeling more comfortable as the season goes on which is absolutely positive for us. But the reason why I say that is because over his past six outings, he's accumulated more and more strikeouts every outing. So I think he's becoming more comfortable, not only uh, on the diamond, but he's also becoming more comfortable with his stuff, with his off-speed stuff, mixing up his pitches. And that's definitely really, really promising to see. Something else that's promising to see is the veteran Tyler Anderson. Over the past week, he had a phenomenal outing against the Diamondbacks. He had a complete game, his first of his career, that's right, nine nine innings pitched, only gave up three hits, one run, zero earned runs, and had four strikeouts. The Diamondbacks only scored one run in the seventh, and that was the only action to be had. Something to note as well is that during Tyler Anderson's past two outings, he had eight strikeouts against the Angels. I know we did lose that game, but that doesn't mean Tyler Anderson wasn't having a good game. I think he gave up five run runs, but I think that all came in one inning. Anyways, he had eight strikeouts during the Angels game. And then he threw the complete game with four strikeouts against the Diamondbacks. So our starting pitching as a whole dominated. And something that was really cool to see was that we finally got a glimpse of what our team can look like when we have somewhat of productive pitching, particularly starting pitching, that's paired with our overpowering offense. And I'll go into our offense later. But before we do that, I want to also touch on the relief pitchers and the reason why is because I need everyone to realize that although the horrific Oakland A's matchup happened that doesn't mean our pitchers haven't been pitching as of late and I'll go ahead and dive into that in 17.2 combined innings pitched over these past six games our relief pitching has yes given up 10 hits but they've only given up two earned runs they've given up eight walks but they've also accumulated a total of 14 strikeouts Not to mention the best part of all this is that over those 17.2 innings pitched, our relief pitchers have a combined 1.05 ERA. It's almost like the narrative changed overnight. Some standouts that have been performing particularly well are my two favorites that I mentioned in the last episode, Tyler Rogers and Tony Watson. Rogers, over the past six games, has pitched 6.2 innings pitched, has only given up six hits, zero earned runs, and eight strikeouts. That's right, he has an ERA of zero over his last 6.2 innings. Tony Watson also has an ERA of zero during his last 6.1 innings pitched. He's also been able to accumulate five strikeouts to go along with that. The best thing about Tony Watson is that opponents have a batting average of 182 against him. So when he's on the mound, it's definitely something positive that we can look forward to. A relief pitcher that has struggled in the past... Uh, Caleb Berrigar, particularly after giving up eight runs in three consecutive outings, he was able to go on to surrender zero earned runs, three strikeouts, and one hit over his next four innings pitch after that. I mentioned a low opponent's batting average in Tony Watson. Caleb Berrigar has produced an opponent's batting average of .083. So after giving up those eight consecutive runs, Berrigar has completely switched it around, and that's really, really promising to see. Another pitcher that has been really exciting to watch is Jarlin Garcia. 
I didn't really know him heading into the season, but I'm glad I know him now. Because on the season as a whole, he already has a 0.00 ERA. But in particular, over the last three innings pitched, he's only given up two hits, accumulated two strikeouts, and opponents have only been able to produce a 0.182 batting average against him as well. And the last person I'll talk about from the Giants bullpen is someone that surprises, that may surprise you, excuse me, because it surprised me, was Wandy Peralta. After his horrible, horrible outing against the Oakland A's, Wendy has been able to improve on that. During his last 2.1 innings pitch, he's given up zero hits, accumulated two strikeouts, and has not given up a single run. Not to mention opponent's batting average, zero. No one has gotten a single hit off of him over his last 2.1 innings pitch. The reason why I wanted to highlight the bullpen, like I said, is because I think everyone has developed this mindset that Giants don't have relief pitching. And understandably so, especially if you're not a Giants fan. People just remember the horrible outings or collapses, I should say, against the Oakland series. But what's really happening ever since then, over these past six games, it's almost like we've had a a new bullpen. And it's definitely been exciting to watch. All right, now on to the real exciting stuff. During the past six games, well, actually, let's do during the past seven games. Because although we did lose the first game against the Angels... That doesn't mean we didn't put on a really solid hitting performance, which we did. Anyways, during the past seven games, the Giants have accumulated 48 runs and 67 hits. That's absolutely insane. That means they are averaging, over the past seven, they're averaging 10 hits a game and seven runs a game. All we need, literally all we need, is somewhat of a productive performance on the mound, and our hitting will do the rest. And that's definitely what we've seen over the past six games. And something that you might be wondering is where does this rank amongst other teams? Because it's something that I was absolutely curious about. And once I looked it up, my jaw completely hit the floor. I was able to find that the Giants are ranked second in the entire league in hits and fourth in runs scored and third in RBIs. This is absolutely insane. I was talking to one of my roommates the other day, and I think this is something I'm going to do on a future episode. I would rather have the offense that we have right now heading into the 2010 World Series matched with that pitching in 2010 instead of the offense that we had in 2010. But I'm going to go ahead and do a breakdown of that in the future episode. Let me know if that's something that excites you or something that you're interested in. Anyways, back to these past seven games. Some individual performances that have stuck out is Mikey Shremsky, obviously. God, I struggle with that name every single time. Mikey Shremsky, obviously. Let's just say Yaz for now. Yaz, over these past seven games, has accumulated a 304 batting average, seven hits, three doubles, two home runs, five RBIs, and five walks. Not surprising at all. Something that's really also exciting is that there's actually talks that Mike Yastrzemski might actually be in the MVP race, but we'll, we'll see how that goes once the season progresses. Another standout is Wilmer Flores. During the past six games, Flores has accumulated a 368 batting average, and seven hits, three of, three of those being home runs, and he's also accumulated 10 RBIs. Not to mention, something that sticks out for me when I think of Wilmer Flores is that he doesn't strike out. During his last 19 at-bats, he's only struck out four times, and that's also a positive sign that Wilmer Flores is a really, really solid hitter because if, he, if he's getting out and he's not striking out, that means he's hitting the ball in order to be out which also means, I hope I haven't lost you, which also means that if he's hitting the ball, then the ball's going to land, and that's what's happening. Another standout is the the very distinguished veteran Evan Longoria. 
I know it may not seem like it, but over these past six games, he's produced a 348 batting average. He's accumulated eight total hits, two doubles, one home run, uh, which was also his 300th career home run, and he also added six RBIs to that. Also, Crawford has been able to sustain his hot streak a little bit. He's accumulated five hits, three doubles, one home run, and four RBIs. Now, something that's really surprising for me when it comes to individual performances is Brandon Belt. Okay, over his past 15 at-bats, Brandon Belt has accumulated a batting average of 533. He's accumulated eight hits, three of those being a double, and he's also accumulated two RBIs while only striking out three times. Usually when you think of Brandon Belt, you think the opposite of Wilmer Flores. It's either Brandon Belt hits a home run or he strikes out. But that's just not been the case. It's been really, really uh, exciting and promising to see that Brandon Belt is not only hitting the ball, but he isn't striking out. And the last individual player performance that I want to highlight is something I mentioned earlier in this episode is the young rookie, Joey Bart. Now, for those of you who don't know Bart, he is or was now, I guess, because he's officially called up. He was the number one prospect in our minor league system. He's 23 years old, uh, and he was the second overall pick in 2018, which is kind of crazy because when you think about baseball players, you don't really think about them coming up that fast. But the way he's produced in the minor leagues might explain why he's come up so fast. In 130 games, minor league games, that is, he accumulated 147 hits and 29 home runs. So I'm not saying he's expected to be the next Buster Posey, but he's definitely expected to be one of the best hitters in our lineup. And as soon as he entered the game, it was like night and day at the catcher position. He's played four games so far, and he currently has a four-game hit streak. He's collected three doubles, and one was almost a home run. It hit the very, very top of the center field wall, and he's accumulated a 333 batting average. It's been so exciting, so fun to see him come up. I'm so glad the Giants finally brought him up. Like I said, it's kind of ceremonial to have Pence transition out and Bart transition in because Bart kind of symbolizes uh, the new Giants brand, the, the new team that's going to be successful for years to come. Not to mention, Bart was a 15th overall prospect in the MLB Top 100, so he's kind of a big deal in the minor league system. So it's really, really exciting. I encourage you to tune in uh, to his at-bats because we're, we should be expecting some really, really promising things to come from him offensively. Something I would love to see, especially come the trade deadline, which is coming up on us, I think, next week, I would love to see if the Giants could ship belt for either some young, promising prospects or something. Something in return for Belt if Belt keeps up this production. Because I love Belt, not all the time, but I do love Belt. But honestly, he's not part of the rebuild. He's not a part of our future plans. And if we can get Belt, then that means we can move Posey to first base full-time and we could slot Joey Bart in at catcher full-time. I think it makes sense offensively. I think it makes sense uh, in terms of Posey's longevity and his health protecting that. I think it makes sense if we want to have anything in return when it comes to the trade deadline. And the last thing I'll say for this episode is that the only bad thing that comes with having a six-game win streak is that you face the Dodgers next. That's right, folks. Tonight at 6.45 p.m., the Giants take on the Dodgers for the start of a three-game series at home, thankfully. Cueto's going to be on the mound for us, and we're going to be facing Julio Urias from the Dodgers. Cueto, as I mentioned before, threw a no-hitter into the sixth inning the last time he faced the Dodgers, so that'll be exciting to see if he can continue to keep them off balance. Particularly, I think we need to keep Corey Seager off balance. His career against Johnny Cueto is not good for us, and it's really good for him. 
He's accumulated a 3.53 batting average, including three home runs, a double, and six RBIs. So if Cueto can keep not only Corey Seager off balance, but also the Dodgers, who are now 22-10, and 10, uh, arguably the best team in baseball right now, if he can do what he does in keeping batters off balance, we might have a chance with our overpowering offense. On the other side of the rubber, Julio Urias now has a 2.74 ERA on the season. Something I'm looking forward to again is Belt, who has a 300 batting average against him, including a home run, a double, and seven walks. So that's pretty surprising, actually. And three RBIs. Something to also notice is that Donovan Solano had two hits last time they faced, which was earlier in the season. I think we, I think there's a chance we could come away with a win here, considering how well that Johnny Cueto pitched against the Dodgers last time. The key here not only is Johnny Cueto, but also what happens when Gabe Kapler gives the ball to the bullpen. That'll be the key here, and that'll be the number one factor that helps prevent these games from unfolding. All right, game two is Kershaw versus Kevin Gosman. I don't know what to say about Kershaw. He's been doing Kershaw things. He's literally been dominating, as he always does during the regular season. So far during 2020, he has a 3-1 and record and has produced a 2.25 ERA on the year. Specifically, over his past two outings, he's accumulated a 1.29 ERA in 14 innings pitched, has only given up five hits, but has also accumulated 17 strikeouts. So, not much to say. We know what to expect from Kershaw. It's going to be freaking tough against a future Hall of Famer. One thing that I am excited to see, though, is to see how Wilmer Flores holds up against Kershaw, because throughout his career, Wilmer has been able to accumulate a 313 batting average in 16 at-bats, including three home runs. So that'll be exciting to watch. Um, on the other side of the ball, for us, Kevin Gosman, you know, you've heard me talk about his last outing, which was 6.1 innings pitched, only given up three hits, one earned, and six strikeouts. He completely shut down the Dodgers. And it'll be interesting to see if he can do it again here. But the number one factor for Gosman is to get Mookie Betts out by any means necessary. In 35 at-bats against Gosman, Mookie has produced a 4-2-9 batting average, accumulated 15 hits, including a double and three home runs and seven RBIs. So for Gosman, if he can keep Mookie off balance, then we might have a chance. Cueto, if we keep Seager off balance, then we definitely might have a chance. And the last game of this of the series is Game 3, Walker Buehler versus Logan Webb. I've talked about Logan Webb many times on the season so far. He has a 2-2 record with a 3.29 ERA. His last outing against the Dodgers was four innings pitched, six hits, one earned, and two strikeouts, and we were able to come away, excuse me, come away with a win from that game. As I mentioned earlier, the reason why I think Logan Webb is becoming more comfortable is because he's been able to accumulate more strikeouts as his season has gone on or progressed. Uh, He started out with two strikeouts, then four strikeouts, four strikeouts, three, five, and eight against the Diamondbacks. So yes, I do believe he's more comfortable, especially the second time around seeing the Dodgers lineup. Not too many players have ownage against Logan Webb. If I had to pick one, it might be Chris Taylor in seven at-bats. He has a 429 batting average, but that only equates to three or four hits in seven at-bats. Justin Turner, last game, was two for four against Webb, and he got a double. And then Muncie is always... Muncie and Bellinger are always people to watch out for when it comes to long ball. But when it comes to Walker Bueller, it's a little tricky to predict what we'll see this year considering the type of 2020 season he's having so far. He has a 4.32 ERA on the season. 
He has struggled for the majority of it. However, his last downing against Colorado was definitely vintage Walker Bueller. He pitched six innings, only gave up four hits, one earned run, and was able to walk away with 11 strikeouts. If the Giants can keep him off track, we might have a chance. Someone that I'm really excited to watch face Walker Bueller is Evan Longoria. He's 4 for 8 against him so far. He's accumulated 4 hits and 8 at-bats. So far, it doesn't seem that the veteran Longoria is fooled by Walker Bueller's stuff. But again, we'll just have to see. Folks, that'll be all for today's episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Your support means the absolute world to me. I can't express how grateful I am for you as listeners. The last thing I'll say is that you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Something that would actually really, really help, folks, is if you could go ahead and leave a rating if you like the show and leave a review if you want to tell me how much you like the show. And something I'm going to try to stick to is a consistent posting schedule. Today is Tuesday, and I kind of want to stick to two posts a week, so please expect to see the next episode on Friday. If you want to stay updated on all things Giants baseball, then go ahead and head over to my social media accounts on Instagram at James Donahue with two S's and on Twitter at Cool Hip Gym. There you can find me posting live updates about the games and also posting fun stats about the players. Thanks again for stopping by everyone to the Say Hey podcast and go Giants.